0: see you today. and want to welcome you. We've done a lot of greeting already this morning, so I think we'll just let it be at that. But we are glad that you're here, and we want to invite you to look in the worship guide. There are a couple of things for you to pay attention to. The picnic is today. Um, just so you can see what to bring. We'll have um, the hamburgers and hot dogs, buns, and all those things. We just need you to bring the chips and the drinks. We'll have cups and ice, and just have you, you bring the drink of your choice um, just remember, it's a Baptist picnic, so um, bring bringing so. <laughs> Fall festival's coming up. Um, you can see that. And then... Um Christmas backpacks, packing party, and then also the budget. There's some information about the budget that's coming. Um, They'll be presented to you, I believe, next week. Um, We'll vote on it on a business or discuss it in the business meeting the last Wednesday of this month. And then we'll actually vote the last Sunday morning of the month, which is a combined service. But it'll be a yes or no vote. So your discussion time is during that business time. Well, how are you today? The weekend is over. This is the first day of the week. This is the day we've set aside to worship our Savior. This is our Sabbath day. It's devoted to Him. And so let's feast on Him today. Let's sing like we really believe He's paying attention. Let's pray like He's listening. Let's give like He's given to us. Let's, let's worship the Lord today as He deserves to be worshiped. Amen. We have a call to worship, and I would call your attention to it. Would you read this out loud with me? The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me, and then we'll have our scripture reading. Father, we come before you, and we do praise you. We give you glory, and we give you honor today. We stop, and we remember Israel today and all that's going on in their country. We pray for those who who are stuck in between um, in in the western area and and the strip there, God, many of whom have nothing to do with what Hamas is doing, but they're caught in the middle we just pray, God, war has been there for so long. We're asking for you to return, Lord. When you come back, you right all those wrongs. And until that time, we just lift up Israel as a nation and we pray, God, that you would give them wisdom and that you would bless all those families who have lost loved ones in this, this needless violence. And God, we thank you that we can come here safely. And we can worship you, we don't take it for granted We know that your hand of protection is over us And we thank you for that and we'd ask that it would continue We pray for the churches across the city today Across our state and across our nation Lord, we ask that you would bring revival to us Father, we praise you for many all across the world who've already worshiped today They're bringing an end to a day that we're starting. Bless them. Watch over them. Help us now, Lord, to worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.
1: scripture today is from Zechariah chapter 14 verses 1 through 9 as I was reading through this this week I was praying wondering why we were going to do this and then I saw the events that are taking place in the Middle East yesterday listen to the words of the Lord behold a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. And on the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. And you shall flee to the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountain shall reach to Azel. And you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him. On that day there shall be no light, No cold or frost. And there shall be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night. But at evening time there shall be light. On that day living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day the Lord will be one and His name one. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray (coughs) Heavenly Father we come into your presence to worship you you alone are worthy of our worship you are worthy because of who you are and you are worthy because of what you have done our hearts are broken we are a people of unclean lips and unrepentant hearts And we dwell in a land of unrepentant hearts. Break our hearts, Lord. Fill our cup. Move us. Accept our worship as our gift to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand again in worship as we sing my Jesus I love thee
0: turn to James chapter 5, James chapter 5, and we're going to look at the second half of verse 16 through verse 18, but let's pray together first. Would you join me? Our Father, we do come before you and praise you. As the psalmist said, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We stop and consider your majesty, we have sang about our love for you, and Lord, I just Think of that father with his son, and he said, I believe, help my unbelief. And, and yet, Lord, this morning, I just felt compelled to, we love you. Help us to love you more. Help us to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love you, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Father, I thank you for your word. We praise you. We thank you for answered prayers that we've seen and continue to see. We thank you, God, that, that you always do what is right, and yet you've called upon us to, to pray and to pray in faith. And, and so as we come even today and continue to study James's text that tells us about prayer and about Elijah, I just ask, Lord, as the disciples ask, teach us to pray. You've... Commanded that we come before you and pray. Forgive us when we have to be commanded. We get to do it. We get to come before you moment by moment and live in your presence. And so this morning we just pray with the disciples. Teach us to pray. And show us through your prophet. Show us through your apostle how to pray as we should. We lift up this time and ask that you would speak to us through your living word. And we pray that this word, the seed of your word, would fall on good soil today. And that it would bear fruit even a hundredfold. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you had your Bibles there in James chapter 5, let's stand and honor the reading and preaching of God's word. Last week at the beginning of our 16 we saw Therefore confess your sins to one another And pray for one another that you may be healed That was following what he told us about Praying together for one another but Then he says the prayer of a righteous person Has great power as it is working Elijah was a man with a nature like ours And he prayed fervently that it might not rain And for three years and six months It did not rain on the earth Then he prayed again And heaven gave rain as the earth bore its fruit. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. Years ago, Andrew Murray wrote a book that maybe some of you have read. It's called With Christ in the School of Prayer. Today, we're going with James and Elijah in the School of Prayer. James moves from calling us to pray to showing us now the power of prayer. He says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Literally, he says something along these lines. uh, and, and, And I like just the thought of this. The prayer of the righteous produces much power. That's much more in line with what James is saying. The prayer of the righteous, the prayer of the righteous person, The prayer of the one who is obedient, the prayer of the person who is in Christ, produces much power. It accomplishes great things. Let me ask you, do we believe that? Do we believe that prayer accomplishes great things? The word for power there is not the normal word for power. It's a word that that speaks of strength, that makes you sufficient for the task. Prayer makes you sufficient for whatever God's calling you to do. We have to understand that whatever it is that God calls us to do, when we pray and when we seek Him, through prayer, God makes us sufficient for the task. One of the reasons we see so little power In the Western church today, it's because we see so little prayer. With prayer comes power. When we pray as we should, God moves in great and powerful ways. And so let me just show you two things about prayer to start with. First of all, what I just said, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Two things about prayer. First, it's powerful. The effective prayer, the older version says it this way, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That's why many of you memorized it. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. I like the way the New Living Translation says. It says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. When we pray, there is power and it produces wonderful results. When God's children live in the Holy Spirit, when we walk in the Holy Spirit, when we live our lives in the Spirit, our prayers are powerful, not because we're praying, but because the God to whom we're praying is powerful. And when we walk in the Spirit and we learn to pray for the things that He wants to see accomplished, we see great things. It's powerful, but it also produces. It produces. It accomplishes much. The word working here in the ESV and, and effective in some other translations comes from a word that speaks of what prayer is able to do. And so what he's saying to us is there's power in it because of what it's able to do. It's, it's effective, it produces. And I want to suggest to you this morning that that coming to God, coming to God in prayer is the solution to the problem. Coming to God in prayer is the solution. We pray and we watch God move, prayer is powerful, and prayer produces. Have you watched God produce in your life? Are you seeing God answer prayers? Are you praying for things, and, and, and all of a sudden, you're talking to someone, and you hear that God has answered that prayer? without that person even knowing you've been praying. Prayer's powerful. Prayer produces. When I was in Malaysia, God laid on me to quit badgering my daughters who weren't where I wanted them to be in certain areas. And he said, give it to me. Let me have it. He said, I love your girls more than you could ever love them. Give them to me, John. And I tried my best to do that. You know, as a a parent, sometimes even with our adult children, it's hard not to push and badger. But I backed off. Within weeks, God was producing things that That I'd been trying to force in. He was producing things. One of my daughters, two of them were married, so it wasn't those two. But two of them, were. one of them was dating the knucklehead. She didn't need to be dating. And I'd been telling her for years. God broke that off. When I shut up about it and let him have it. I got my daughter back. I'm just telling you that prayer is is powerful, and it produces. James decides to show us the power of prayer by one of the most powerful figures in the Old Testament. He brings us to go along with Elijah in the school of prayer. We go with James, and James takes us in the first chapter right to Elijah. And what we see to start with are, are two are, are, are the, examples, the examples of a man of prayer. The examples of a man of prayer in Elijah. Elijah was a powerful man. He's only one of two in the Old Testament that never died. Only two in the Bible that we know of. Enoch and Elijah. Elijah was that kind of man. I never thought about it. I was reading a book with some guys. and He said, Elijah was the kind of man that when, when God took him up in the chariots of fire, Elijah probably took the reins and whipped the horses to a full frenzy. That's Elijah's personality. Most of the time, but not all the time. Elijah was a powerful man. Never died. In 2 Kings 1, there's an example of where a king sends a captain with 50 men to go and get Elijah. Elijah's sitting up on a mountain. And they said, we know you're a man of God. The king has come to get, called, told us to come get you. And Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, let fire wipe you out. I'm paraphrasing. Fire takes the captain and all 50 men out. Second group of 50 come back. We know that you're a man of God. The king's told us to come get you. He said, if I'm a man of God... Let fire come down. And fire comes down and destroys all 50 plus the captain. The third captain got word of it, and he humbles himself before Elijah. He basically says, please, please, O oh man of God, don't, don't do this. The king has called me to come and get you, and Elijah goes with him. Elijah was a man of great power. We remember Elijah most for calling down fire, not on those men, but calling down fire to the prophets of on the sacrifices where, where they had a contest. He was a powerful prophet of God. But here's the question that I think we ought to ask as we get ready to look at what James says, is, is from where does the power come? Why was Elijah so powerful? I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles back to 1 Kings chapter 17. Despite Keep your mark, and, and James, will come back to it in a moment. But in 1 Kings 17, we, we want to spend a little time here, and I want to show you some things about Elijah that, that James doesn't tell us, but I think we ought to know as we, as we come to this passage. James just starts right off in chapter 17 when he tells him, the king, he just, Elijah. We know nothing about Elijah other than he shows up on the scene in chapter 17 verse 1 and tells Ahab that it's not going to rain. And then, if you'll notice, the word comes to him in verse 3, 1 Kings 17, 3, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is in the Jordan. What I want you to see is that in 1 Kings 17... God develops trust in Elijah's life. Elijah was a man of prayer and a powerful man because he had learned to trust God. He shows up. We know from Elijah's life that God had told him to go to Ahab though the kings don't tell us this. He goes and tells the king that it won't rain and then God immediately tells him to go into the wilderness and what he says to him is that I will take care of you. He says, look at verse 4 of 1 Kings 17. You shall drink from the brook I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. He just said it's not going to rain. And God said, You go into the wilderness, you go down by the brook, there'll be water for you there, and you'll need food, so I'll get the ravens to bring you food. Now that's trust. There's no grocery store out there, there's no place to go, there's no food out there, there's a drought that's coming. And he goes, and he does, and God does exactly what he said. The ravens brought bread to Elijah in the wilderness. Don't think for a moment God can't use a raven or a crow to do what he wants to do. Trust him when you pray. Well, the second test comes because the brook dries up. You can see it in verse 7. And so he tells them to go to a Gentile town. And he tells them to go to this Gentile town in verse 9. He says, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. Jesus comments on this later wasn't to a Jewish town that he goes. It was to a Gentile town. He says, go there, and I've commanded a widow to feed you. And so he goes into that town, and he meets the widow. It's a desperate situation. The drought, because of the no rain of Elijah's prophecy, is now upon them as well. There's no crop. There's no food. And so she's gathering sticks, and and Elijah asks her to to make him some bread and to get him something to drink. And she says, basically, I'm— I'm making this last meal for my son, and then we're going to die. And Elijah tells her, because God has spoken to him, to go to her. And God in prayer in the wilderness says, go to this town. He tells her to cook him a meal and to bring him some water. And then in verse 14, he says, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty." until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. So she goes and cooks a little meal. Remember, she only had enough flour to cook for her son, and they were going to eat that and die. So in faith, she goes and she cooks the meal, and she brings it to Elijah, and he eats, and then God provides for that widow and her son and for Elijah. All the way through the drought, God provides for them. Don't think for a moment God can't provide for you. You go to God and you lay it with God and you trust God. God can meet your needs if you'll allow Him to show you and if you'll come to Him and pray and trust Him. Trust Him. In verse 17, the son of the widow dies. This is the third trial. So Elijah has to go into the wilderness and trust ravens. He has to go to a Gentile town and trust a widow. And now the widow's son dies. And you look in verse 20, the prophet Elijah cries out to the Lord. And then verse 22, after all that Elijah does, verse 22 says, and the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. Where did Elijah get that trust? Where did Elijah learn to pray like Because he trusted God with ravens. And he trusted God with a widow. And he trusted God when a child was dead. He trusted God through the trials. And he learns to pray. And he listens to God. And as he's in the wilderness listening to God, he becomes accustomed to the power of God. And the power of God begins to produce in Elijah's life. Now, we're tempted to say, well, that's great. Elijah's a prophet. But give me something for me today. I'm not a prophet. I'm not Elijah. I'm not Superman from the Old Testament that flies up in in chariots of fire and goes into, goes into into the heavens. Well, let me show you Elijah's reality. It's back in James. Don't lose your place in the kings, but it's back in James. Elijah... Was a man with a nature like what? Ours. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. James. James tells us that Elijah was not Superman, he was a man with a nature like ours. That's his reality. He was powerful at times. He called down fire on an altar soaked in water. He called down fire on the captain and the 50 twice. Elijah was a man who raised the dead. And yet when he called down fire on on the prophets of Baal and took them out and called down fire on the altar, when he did that old Jezebel hears about it and threatens to kill Elijah. You know what Elijah does? He runs. He runs back into the wilderness. He's scared of that woman. The man who walked with God knew fear. First Kings chapter 19 tells us he knows depression. Some of you are battling it today. You're here today and no one else knows it, but you just want to die. Elijah knows. Look at what he says in 1 Kings chapter 19, Ahab told Jezebel that Elijah had be done and killed the prophets. And Jezebel sent a message to, to Elijah saying, so the gods do to me and more. If I don't make your life as one of them by this time tomorrow. In verse 3, he was afraid and he rose and he ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba where it belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. And look in verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Now, let me just stop for a second. I noticed this study in this week. In chapter 17, God told Elijah to go to the wilderness. Chapter 18 tells him to go to the wilderness and go to the brook. You don't see a record of God telling Elijah to go to the wilderness in chapter 19. He just does it on his own. Here's the danger with prayer. You'll think that yesterday's word for you is today's. You have to continually seek God. Now, I don't mean inside the Word. You always have the Word of God there for you, but sometimes God's instructions change as you carry out the Word. And God told Elijah to go into the wilderness, but he doesn't tell him here to go into the wilderness. And you'll notice he'll start asking him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah goes into that wilderness, and he prays to die. In chapter 19, verse 9, he goes into a cave, and he's hiding. This man had just called down fire from heaven. And he's hiding from from a queen who was wicked. And, And God asked him, what are you doing, Elijah? He tells God in verse 10, look at this. I, I only, I, even I only am left. Elijah knew fear. He knew depression and he knows pity parties. Grown man in the wilderness having a pity party. Don't make fun, we all have them. And here he is. Here's the thing about Elijah I want you to see. He trusted God, he was a man just like us. But here's the thing that even in the depression, get this, even in the depression, He never stops praying. That's a lesson for all of us. If you're going through hard times, don't let the hard times pull you away from God. Let them draw you to God. Come back and continue to pray. He never stops praying. Elijah was not supernatural. Elijah was not Superman. He's he's a prophet. He was used by God. But James says he's just like us, a nature just like us. And, and I would suggest that, that while Elijah was a powerful man, you and I are in a better position. The Holy Spirit came down upon Elijah, but the spirit indwells us. On this side of the cross, we're in a better place than Elijah was to be used by God. We're in a better place. To be men and women of prayer. He indwells us. And and go back now. We'll go back to James. James says. And he prayed fervently. This is verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. It's really. It's really not a great translation. I understand why they translated it that way. But. The focus is not on the fervency. The focus is really not even on the frequency. I think this can help us. Literally what he says is, praying he prayed. He uses two words for prayer right there, back to back. Praying he prayed. The focus is simply on this. It's on the fact that Elijah prayed, and he kept praying. The power in Elijah's life came from the calling of God, yes, but the power in his life came because he prayed, and he kept praying. And I know that many of us in this room, maybe all of us in this room, I'm including myself, we don't feel good about our prayer life. We don't feel good about our abilities to pray, and I preach about prayer and talk about prayer, and we we go home, we just don't feel good about it, about our methods, and we keep trying to find new methods. But James teaches us through Elijah, just keep praying. Just keep talking to God. Keep on walking with him. James points out one particular part of Elijah's life. He said that he prayed that it wouldn't rain. (laughs) And it didn't rain for three and a half years. Think of how dry your yard is right now from a little lack of rain. Three and a half years. It's judgment upon a wicked king and a wicked queen who were sacrificing to those prophets of Baal and worshiping Baal and not Jehovah. And, and because of that, judgment comes. Now, I would say this. Elijah was not supernatural. But the fact that he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years, that's supernatural. That's God moving in an answer to a man's prayer. That's powerful. That's effective. And I want you to think about this A normal human sold out to God who prays can expect divine results. A normal human sold out to God who prays can expect divine results. He prayed again, and it rained. He prayed it wouldn't, and then he prayed again. What's amazing really is in all of this is is the relationship god has with the prophet the relationship elijah's relationship prayer is about relationship god had a relationship with Moses. He was a mighty man of prayer. He had a relationship with Elijah. He was a man of prayer. Have you ever considered that, that, that the man who prayed to die under the broom tree? Get this. I never thought about this. The man who prayed to die under the broom tree is one of only two who never died. God said, I'll show you, Elijah. You just won't die. I'll bring you home. The relationship they had. Prayer is more about relationship with God than anything else. Go to his word, find his will, and pray. Go to the Holy Spirit, find his will, and pray. Go to his word and pray it. In two weeks... I'll finish James next week. The week after, I'm going to go very practical and go back and show you how to pray the Word of God. And then the last week of the month, we're going to come together and pray together as a church as we go toward communion. But simply learn to pray. And here's what James is saying. In the midst of trials and sufferings, pray. That's what he said last week. In the midst of your joyful moments, pray. Sing, that's what he said last week. In the midst of sickness, he says, Pray, there are times you pray alone. There are times you call the elders in to pray for you. but pray, pray for forgiveness, pray for healing, pray for wisdom. Pray, as we said last week, about everything, everything. Now I'll take you back to Elijah one more time. If you go back to First Kings chapter 19. It's an interesting thing. Elijah's in the cave. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 11. After Elijah says, I only I am left, they seek my life to take it away. Verse 11, God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, this is like Moses, and behold, the Lord passed by. Can you picture that? Go stand on the mountain before the Lord. Just just like Exodus 33 and 34. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by. As we pray, we pray that God, we pray knowing that God is there. As we pray, we pray knowing that God listens I visited with a friend yesterday in Birmingham, coming home and coming come back to back way and prayed, sang, not even knowing exactly the songs we were going to sing today, sang Fill My Cup and some of the other songs that we sang today, just singing them privately to the Lord, just singing and praying and knowing that he was in that car and in that room with me, singing and worshiping. He's there. He's there when we pray. But look at First Kings 19. The Lord passed by, but get this, a great and strong wind tore the mountains in broken pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a, a fire. but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the sound after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the cloak, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? God goes on to speak to Elijah, but Elijah, who thought he was all by himself, the only one left, God says, i got 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. I've given you a job to do, Elijah. What are you doing here? And here's what I want you to see. We want God to show up in the wind that breaks down mountains. We want God to show up in the earthquake, in the fire. But I have found in the Bible and in my own life, God most often shows up in that low whisper. It's while I'm reading the word and the spirit just whispers, why'd you say that to Kim? Why didn't you do this? Why? Or this is what I have for you, John. This is what I want for you. He shows up in the low whispers, in the quiet places, alone in his word. He he prompts us and he leads us and and he helps us. He helps us to pray. Romans tells us that, that the Holy Spirit is in us, interceding for us and And we know that the Bible tells us, Romans 2, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And and as the Spirit intercedes, and and as Jesus intercedes, and and then we come, and and we get in the Word, and He shows us how to intercede. It's, It's in the gentle whispers. It's in the small things. We want to be the prophet who does the big things, but... But you've got to trust the Lord in the small things. Before you can call down fire, you've got to trust the Lord with a raven. Before you can raise the dead, you've got to trust the Lord with a widow. Come before the Lord and pray about everything and find that your trust grows in Him. And when you come face to face with the false prophets of Baal, you can... Face them with confidence. In church, the false prophets are Baal are among us. They're all around us. They're feeding our kids, and they're feeding our grandkids, and they're feeding us with their lives. We had better learn to hear the voice of the Lord. You know, the whole confrontation with Elijah in 1 Kings 18... The whole confrontation with all those prophets of Baal is really about this. Who answers prayers? Is it Baal? Is it your government? Is it your favorite team? Who answers prayers? God and God alone so we come to him and I just wonder today have you prayed enough to know that he answers are you facing situations where you have no ability no skill and no means to meet that need I want you to know something. When you have no ability and no skill and no means, you're in a really good place. Because I know a God who does. Would you bow your heads? It's true, we're not Elijah. Elijah. but we are children of God it's true you may not be an Old Testament prophet but you're a New Testament child of God indwelled by the same spirit that empowered Elijah and the God of Elijah is your God if you're a child of Jesus here's my call to you Pray. Let's pray about everything. Seek him. Some of you right now, you've got some prodigals at home. And they're in a faraway land. They're not walking with God as you brought them up. And embrace your heart. Can I just tell you, embrace God's more. Trust Him with your children. Trust Him with your grandchildren. Trust Him with your spouse, with your job. Trust Him with your finances. Trust Him with your schedule. Trust Him with every area of your life. Would you just use this time? commit your life to learning to be a man and woman of prayer. I'm not there either. I'm getting better. But I've got so far to go. We've got so far to go. Use these moments to turn it over to the Lord. Whatever it is that's on your heart. If you need to do something public, Tim and I will meet you. Ronnie's here as well. The three of us will meet you and help you with Whatever it is you need to do. If it's public, come. But learn from James and learn from Elijah. But I think both James and Elijah would say look to Jesus, the Son of God, who prayed. Father thank you that we can pray thank you that we don't have to come here or to a temple anywhere to pray but that wherever we go you have said that we are the temple of your spirit that you're in us and we will not go one place this week that you won't be there Lord, it's not one thing that we can do this week that we can't pray and do it better. And if there's an area of our life that we are living in that we can't pray doing it, then let us get out of that area because it's sin. Make us a house of prayer. Not just as First Baptist Church but as individuals who make up this church may we be houses of prayer that come together as the house help us to trust you as Elijah did help us to seek you as he did and God may we see you move even this week I pray that we'll be looking to see you move, sometimes in just the smallest thing. Build our trust, Lord, as we pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Wanna, before we close, Josh Warren, come up real quick. He's going to tell us about a new Sunday school class that will apply to some of you, but most of your children are grandchildren, okay? So uh, let them tell you about this new Sunday school class that's going to start. So you could be praying for it, and, and then we'll be
2: dismissed. I've been asking the Lord what he would have me do in this season. Um, as I'm in seminary and where um, I would be uh, best able to serve the church. And the Lord has laid on my heart that there is a need in our church for a class That would meet the needs of those of us that have graduated college that are just entering into the workforce. And so starting next Sunday uh, we're going to meet in room B 217 upstairs above the offices and this is going to be a Sunday school class designed for those of us that are 22 to 23 um, just until about 30. It's going to be for singles, married, however you fit into that age category this is just a way so that as we're walking through this season of life, we're surrounded by others that are in uh, that same situation of life. So if you were in that age group, if you know someone in that age group, please encourage them to join us uh, starting next Sunday in B217. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Some of you have got jackets in your closet older than 30, and I understand
0: that. But You may have grandkids. I had somebody this past week say, my daughter will be coming. Do you have a class for her at this age group? And I said, we're just going to start a new class starting next week. We want her to be involved in that. So hopefully you can let other people know if they're looking for that class. Would you just stand and bow your heads with me? Let me just close with the words of Jude. Now to him who was able to keep you from stumbling... And to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And everyone said, Amen. Our ushers are at the doors. Thank you so much. God bless you.